Welcome to Bible Center Church, and thank you so much for joining us on BC Podcast. Here's a message to encourage your heart this week. Good morning to each and every one of you. It's great to see you on this holiday weekend. Those of you joining us online and on TV later, thank you for joining us. We're always grateful when you're here with us. If you're online, say hello to the chat host there as well. We love to have, again, we're so glad that you're with us today as well. Well, my name is Matt Garrison, and I serve as the online campus pastor and pastor of assimilation. So what does that mean? What does one do if you're an online campus pastor or pastor over assimilation? Well, it means this, that I get to connect with those who join us online each and every week. Like I mentioned last week, um, kind of we get to talk in church or during church. And so we just kind of comment there. And a lot of times people will request prayer. And so right then and there during the service, we kind of go into a private chat room and we're just praying and people uh, have needs there as well. And it's so fun to get to do that. I also get to record with Beth here the pre-service announcements each and every week that most of you are here in this room listening intently to those announcements. And that was, we can laugh, we're good, right? But it's fun. Beth and I have a great time doing that. I also co-host the TV service each and every week as well. We have a beginning and kind of at the end when we're live. That's been a joy to do also. And then each Sunday too, you'll see me out at the welcome tent kind of saying hello to many of you and those who introduce themselves to us for the first time, kind of we get to connect there at the tent and hear a little bit about their stories. Um, and then we have the responsibility. Again, it's not just me out there. Paula helps me. And we have a great team of people there at the tent. And what we get to do, though, is our responsibility is to then those who meet us for the first time or introduce themselves to us for the first time, we want to get them connected to Bible Center. And so we will invite them to coffee, invite them to lunch, or just maybe email back and forth if, if they prefer to just to kind of see if Bible Center is going to be a good fit for them. And we want to get them connected. And so each week, Paul and I meet and we assign these new people a staff member. And that staff member then is the one who will reach out and encourage them to get together and to see again if Bible Center is a good fit and to get them into a group. And it's invitation only. We love people, but we don't want to be that church that loves people so much that it gets turned away, right? Like, we just don't want to be like, hey, how are you? Hey, and people are just like, whoa, okay, easy kind of thing, but just all invitation. And so here's our responsibility too. Like everybody that comes to us, we consider them a gift from the Lord. And since April, this is just since April, so quarter two, we've had 139 people introduce themselves to us for the first time. Those are gifts from the Lord, that's since April. And so our job then is to reach out to them and try to get them connected and answer their questions about Bible Center and see if again, if Bible Center is gonna be a good fit for them where they can grow in their faith and kind of help us fulfill our mission of making disciples of Jesus. And so if you go back to January, so quarter one, if you include those that we had 88 people there introduced themselves to us for the first time. So for the first half of 2022, 227 people have introduced themselves to us for the first time. That's who has just introduced themselves. Many people will kind of stop at the tent, get some information, but they don't make it back or they don't introduce themselves to us just yet. And that's okay. Again, it's all invitations. That's kind of what I get to do. I love my job. It's so much fun. But I also like to introduce my family to you. It's been a little while. This picture is kind of, uh, well, it's, I looked at my phone, I'll be honest, and this is the only picture I had that I think would be approved by everybody involved. 
and it's a little dated, all right? This is uh, going on two years ago, but so my, next to me is my wife, Andrea. July 31st, we have, we'll be celebrating our 23rd wedding anniversary. It kind of seems crazy that I've been married that long. To the right is our oldest daughter, Sydney. She will be a sophomore in college. Next to her is our daughter, Sierra. And then Tyler, her twin brother, uh, kind of there next to the birthday boy. That's Tyler. They will be juniors this year. And we have, we affectionately refer to him as wild man. All right, that is Troy. Um, so again, he's going to be in first grade. So we have a sophomore in college, two juniors, and a first grader. All right, so he keeps us on our toes. He keeps us, and he's going to be, that's why it's a little old. If you see the birthday candle there, it says five. He's going to be seven in September. But again, they say, hey, he keeps you young. I don't feel it. All right, like a lot of, I'm just tired a lot trying to keep up with this dude. Like he's wild, man. We love him. We kind of also affectionately refer to him as the welcomed surprise or the bonus child. Everybody likes a bonus, right? So we thought we were done with Tyler and Sierra, the twins. And then 10 years later, here comes Troy. So we absolutely love it. Love him, love the family. So that's my family. So today as we get a new part here of the summer series, as Mike was mentioning earlier, behold, like one of the verses, the theme verses we're using during this series is found in 2 Corinthians 3.18. And it says this, so all of us who have had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. So the first part of the series, when we talked about beholding, we said even that word behold, it's to gaze intently at the Lord, to see, to spend time beholding who he is. And when we do that, one of the responses we have is that we worship. Then sings my soul, our response, our souls, they, we sing out at the majesty and the beauty of the Lord. When we get to see just how big he is and how much that he does care us and how much he is like us and how much he's not like us. And in that series, those of you who are with us, if you haven't seen this message when Pastor Mike talked, it was a beautiful illustration talking about how big God is when the, God's word tells us that he holds the water in the palm of his hand, like our earth is 70% water. And however deep it is, he holds all of it in the palm of his hand. And if you remember too, he had this gallon of water, just one gallon. And I can't even remember the astronomical number of gallons that are in the oceans, but just one, like we can't pour that in our hand, but God does, like he's that big. And so when we think of him, our souls cry out in worship. And so this second part is we talked about God, the son, we're gonna behold that there's another response as we gaze to the Lord, we look intently at him, we will begin to reflect his glory. We reflect his glory glory. And what does this mean? It means that we become transformed into his image. We become just like him, God the Son. So what we're going to do today in this message is that we're going to talk about God the Son. This is the second person in the Trinity. As you see the bumper there, this is God the Son. That's the second person in the Trinity. And we're going to see that he was 100% God and 100% human. Jesus, God the Son, 100% God, 100% human. And we're going to see that he made his home among us so our eternal home can be with him. So let's jump into this. How many of you have ever wondered how certain things work in life? Maybe a car. Sometimes we may think about this. A lot of times we don't. Most of us, if we're honest, we just jump in, push the button, turn the key, put the car in the desired 
gear and off we go. But we don't really think about how it really works. Or maybe an airplane. How many of us love to fly? If you like to fly online, they just say, hey, I do. And here, how many of us love to fly? Anybody like absolutely love to fly? Okay, a few of you. All right, that's good. How many of you are like me and you just absolutely hate flying? If you hate flying online, you can let us know there, right? I hate it. I don't know why. I don't know if it's a control thing, but I just hate flying. And so, but again, when I think about flight, that we can actually get in a plane and fly to another country, it's something to behold. But now, have you ever thought too, like how the human mind works? Have any of us thought about that? Not just how it's capable of running our bodies, like pumping our organs or the heart and just kind of running the organs and things like that, but more along the lines of how we think. Let me break it down a little bit. I'm gonna use an example from my life and that's my wife and I, okay? So if we, like sometimes uh, before we get into this, sometimes uh, Andrea will ask me this question. She's, she means very well when she asks me this question. She'll say, Matt, what were you thinking? Right? And so sometimes I'm like, uh, I guess I wasn't, you know? Or sometimes every now and then I'll have a solid answer for why I did something, but sometimes I don't. I just, I just did it. I don't know why. But if I ask her that question, Andrea, what were you thinking? Each and every time she has an amazing response for why she did what she did. Like always, you can tell her I said that, always. She knows what she's doing, right? Now, when it comes to shopping, right? This is kind of my shopping pattern here. This is the way that I think. If it's a Target, let's say, and I have to go in and get toothpaste and toilet paper, what am I doing? This is me right here. I go into the store, I go to the toilet paper, I go to the toothpaste, I get what I need, and I'm out, okay? Now, Andrea would have that same list. She has toilet paper and she has toothpaste, but this is her shopping pattern, all right? And the same at Kohl's. If I need to go to Kohl's for something, I'm, <laughs> I may get a tie, whatever it is, I go right to that section, pick out what I need, and then I'm out, right? This is her shopping pattern. However, it's interesting, like if we were simply just to change stores, all right? Let's say it's a Cabela's or a Bass Pro, all right? Andrea, now I'm being very generous with this picture here. This is not really her shopping pattern. The way that she shops for me at Cabela's is she will order it online, have it delivered free to the store. She goes to the front store, to the counter there at the front of the store, gets that item and out she goes. So she doesn't really have to go into the store. So I will order things online and I know it's at the front desk for me, but here's my shopping pattern at Cabela's, okay? So again, you could see that we just think differently. We do things differently and that is okay that we've been trying to figure out each other since the beginning of time. And humanity though, for honest, has also been asking other questions, bigger questions like, how did we get here? How does this all work? Why are we here? What is the meaning? What is the purpose in life? And if it's true about us, and we also think this question too, like, is there a God? And if so, what is he like? What are they like. And if it's true that what comes to our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us, then answers to that question, is there a God and what is he like? That's a big deal. And God wants us to know him. He wants us to know that he's not hiding from us. 
as part of the first series, as we looked at God the Father, what we were communicating is that God wants us to know him and wants us to know what he is like, for sure. And so what we're going to do today, again, as we're talking about Jesus, who he is, and why does he matter? So if you have your Bible app, you can turn with me, or your Bibles, you can turn with me to John chapter 1. It's the fourth book in the New Testament. It's John chapter 1. If you open to the New Testament, it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we're going to work our way through uh, the first part of chapter 1. So again, this bottom line here is God made his home. And so if you know, if you don't hear anything else, this is what we want you to know, is that God made his home among us so our eternal home can be with him. First point we want to look at here is that Jesus is God. As we come to John chapter 1, let's read right now in verses 1 and 2, and it says this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. He existed in the beginning with God. So right off the bat, John is wanting us to know that Jesus is God. And the words that he's using here are intentional. So you see the phrase there, in the beginning. If you've grown up in church, that might strike a remembrance for you. Like, ah, where have I heard that before? That's all the way to the very first book of the Bible called Genesis. And there we read, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. John's wanting us to know this. Again, it's intentional that in the beginning, Jesus was there. And the word that he uses here, this Greek word, word, is the word logos. And it has a couple different meanings here. And John is talking about more the Hebrew meaning here that this is Jewish thought is saying that this is like the divine wisdom, which was at God's side at creation. John wants us to know that Jesus was preexistent, that he was at the beginning, that he was never created, that he is God. We also see that he has a special relationship because he was with God. So he's kind of given us a little clue here that there's this relational God, this, as we would later on read and kind of get this thought developed of the Trinity, this triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit in perfect unity and perfect harmony. So he has a special relationship with him that he is deity. And he's telling us again that this is Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, that he is God himself. So second point is that God creates We see this in verses three and following. It says, God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. So to affirm the divinity of Jesus, John tells us that Jesus was God's agent in creation, okay? And we find this truth elsewhere in scripture. If you were to flip over to Colossians chapter one, Starting verse 15 and following to 17, it says this. It says, Christ is the, in, or is the visible image of the invisible God. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and the authorities of the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Hebrews 1-2 tells us this, that through the Son, God created the universe. And so as we read this, it's correct to say that God created the heavens and the earth. But it's also correct to say God, through Jesus, created 
the universe, everything that we see, the things that we can't see, the things that we don't even understand, yet Jesus created. He was there at the beginning. So when you see anywhere in the Genesis account, when it says, and God said, like, let there be light, that's Jesus speaking. When it says, and God said, let there be a spance in the heaven, that's Jesus speaking. And later on, when you read that, and God walked with Adam and Eve in the evening time or the cool of the day, that is Jesus there with him, that he created this by speaking. And so when you read later on that Jesus is, is performing miracles, that he just tells people to, hey, take this water and pour it into these kind of jars and it turns into wine. Or when he's looking at this person with his withered hand and he says, stretch out your hand. And as he stretches it out, it becomes whole. It's healed just by speaking because he was there at creation speaking things into existence. This is God. In the darkness, as Jesus says later, we read here in John, it says that Jesus brings light to everyone and the darkness cannot extinguish it. In John's gospel, darkness is a metaphor for sin. And the idea is that when Jesus shines his light into the world, darkness, sin, can never extinguish it. Kind of like this. How many of us have ever been without power before? Right? Maybe at nighttime in particular. That's kind of fun. Maybe we have some candles, that kind of thing rolling. But if you've ever taken a flashlight and you needed to look for something, maybe in a closet or pantry or something, when you shine that light in there, what typically happens? Typically, there's light and you can see what you need. The darkness can never say to the light, this might be a little cheesy illustration, but the darkness can never say to the light, hey, I don't like the light, forget this, and bend your light into another area of the room. Right? Darkness cannot do that. The light will always triumph darkness. And John is telling us that Jesus will always triumph over sin. Jesus is always gonna triumph over sin. Which leads us to our third point is that sin breaks. Sin breaks us. Let's jump over to chapter, uh, verse 10, chapter one, verse 10. It says, he came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people and even they rejected him. So Jesus comes into the world that he creates. And as he is here, the world, they don't recognize him. And it's not just they didn't recognize him, kind of like, oh, who was that? Is he the creator? Like, we don't really know, whatever. It's not like they were passive towards him, like just didn't care. They were kind of, uh, not sympathetic, but they were kind of apathetic towards him. No, it was they rejected him. They rejected the creator. Jesus arrives on his creation. And one would think if the creator showed up, maybe uh, there would be some celebration. Maybe there would be some form of worship. And as I was thinking of an illustration that might kind of capture this, it's kind of, it breaks down really quickly, but it's kind of like uh, as a parent, when your kids are really young and you come home from work or the store or whatever, some of the things that they do is they see you, what do they say? Mommy, daddy, and they just come to you and they just wrap you in their arms and they just give you the biggest hug. I mean, that's awesome. Like that's what kind of maybe one would expect as Jesus shows up, like we recognize him, we worship him. But as our kids age and we come home and they're teenagers, what typically happens? They don't run to the door, right? Some of my children, like I have to go find where they are. One in particular is probably on a gaming system. 
So I go in there, I'm like, hey, what's up, bud? And if I'm lucky, I'll get a, eh, and off he goes, right? Like, that's kind of what happens as they get older. But Jesus doesn't even get that, any kind of recognition. It's a rejection. The world he created rejected him because sin separates us from God. Sin breaks us in so many ways, and each one we're broken differently. So the things that I struggle with, that I have, the sin that I have, might be different than you. I'll share this story with you. So back in the day, I'm, I think I'm in seventh, eighth grade, something like that. Uh, I was hanging out with a guy that I don't think he was a really good influence on me, and maybe I him. He was a little bit older, so I kind of looked up to him. Um, but we, <laughs> we dabbled in a little bit of, as an eighth grader, a little bit of cigarette smoking. Okay, <laughs> it's terrible. It's, it'll kill you, it will. Uh, but here's the thing, is we went to our local uh, grocery store, it's called Food Town, and <laughs> my parents are here in this room, so it's just so funny. Anyway, all right, so uh, they lived this too, so it's all right. So, <laughs> so we, uh, I, I, my friend and I go there to this, this store, and you know, he, want, he gets a certain kind of cigarette, and we're way too young to buy them, so the only way you could get them is you had to steal them. So he stole them. He walks out and I meet him out front there. I'm like, dude, what kind did you get? And he shows me the brand he got. I'm like, I don't like those. Not that I knew anything much about them, but anyway, so he's like, I don't like those. And he says, well, go get your own. I'm like, all right, I can do this. So I walk back into the store. I put some in my little, I had this jean jacket, looked really cool, really awesome. Uh, put it in here and try to go out to the store. And as I walk out to the store, this guy was running behind me and kind of was like, hey, I don't even know what he said. It's all so, I mean, so many years ago as well. But anyway, he kind of flashed his badge and says something like, you stole some stuff. I'm like, well, no, I didn't. He's like, well, empty your pockets. And so I'm like, no, I don't want to. But he's like, empty your pockets. I'm like, all right, fine. And so I just hand him the cigarettes. So thinking that was going to be it. Oh, no, no, no. I have to go back into the store. They call the police. Now, again, I'm an eighth grader. Now, I don't care about the police. All right? There's two people in my head and one in particular that I'm concerned about. And that would be <laughs> my dad, right? Like, I'm thinking, I am so busted. Like, I am done. And let's just say the consequences for that, uh, I kind of felt like uh, I was grounded for an eternity. They were amazing parents. It was a different day, different age for some of us. But uh, this, <laughs> this was the last time that I ever got spanked. All right, that was just, that was it. I knew, like, all right. So the point of that story is to say that, look, you may never struggle with stealing. That may never be a temptation for you. Right? But it was for me. We're all broken in different ways. It's also this, is that sin, though, is way more than a series of bad or wrong choices. Sin is the state of rebellion from which bad choices continually come. Sin is so much more than just a series of wrong or bad choices. It's a state of rebellion from which these choices continually come. And it's not just these choices. This also includes our thoughts, this includes, yes, our actions, our words, every selfish decision that we make comes from this state of rebellion. Every selfish desire, that's just about me, 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 that's sin. And sin is what separates us from God. And we declare, just like the world did that when Jesus came into the world, we declare by our sin, I reject you, Jesus. I reject you. Because we are all sinners. We have all declared that we are going to reject Jesus. 
Because without Jesus, without him, we are all destined to spend an eternity in a place called hell, and it's real. We are all sinners. But is there any good news? Yes, Jesus saves. That's our next point. We see this in verses 12 and 13. He says, but to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. And so as John tells us the world rejects him, he also starts right here in verse 12 with some really incredible good news that when we believe that Jesus is God and we accept him into our lives, we become children of God. We move from a spiritual death to spiritually being alive. When we surrender our lives to Jesus, we become like him, that our sins are forgiven. And this is, we're gonna see here why he came. And what he's talking about here too, this birth, as John kind of will elaborate more in chapter three, like this is a spiritual rebirth where he tells Nicodemus in chapter three that you must be born again. He's talking spiritually. Again, when we place our faith in Jesus, we become a new creation, as it tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, that if anyone believes in Christ, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone. Behold, the new has come. As we jump down here to verse 14, many scholars tell us that this is one of the most important verses in all of the Bible. Chapter 1, verse 14 says this the word, that's Jesus, he became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. That he was full of grace. He was full of truth. So up to this point, we've seen that Jesus is 100% God. That he is preexistent. That he was before anything was ever created. We see that he still is that way. We see that he does not have a beginning, that he was there in the beginning, that God through Jesus created the world and that he has a relationship with God, that he is the second person in the Trinity. And he came and made his home among us. He did that to rescue us, to save those who will believe and accept him. And we read this phrase that Jesus, the word became human and dwelt among them. John is telling us that he was human and why does that matter, that he was both God and human? Because if Jesus was not God, then guess what? His death doesn't matter. We're still lost in our sin. We're still hopeless without him. Because he's not God, it doesn't matter. It's no more than me saying, hey, you know, uh, I'll die for you and all of your sin, but I'm just a human. At the end of the day, again, it does not matter. But because he was God, it matters. He's able to forgive sin. He died. He was buried. He rose again on the third day because he's God. But it's also important that he is human. In the book of Hebrews, we learn that Jesus, as he was human, he can sympathize with us in our weaknesses, in our temptations, because Jesus was tempted in every way that we are, yet was without sin. So the struggles that you and I have as we battle and wrestle these temptations in sin, Jesus did as well. 
Although when we give in, he didn't. So that's why when we go to him and we're struggling, we have a God who's sympathetic to us. He knows. He's been in our shoes and he knows what we're going through. And he can relate to us because he was human. It's a great mystery, 100% God, 100% human. Jesus made his home among us. Why? He did this to save us from our sin. John 3.16, most famous verses in all of the Bible. You'll see this probably at football games or large sporting events. Somebody just holds up a sign. This is John 3, Golan 16. It's for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life because he wants a relationship with us. He came to this earth. He's full of unfailing love and faithfulness because he wants a relationship with us. He cares so much about us. He wants us to follow him for eternity. So one summer I was uh, vacationing with my family to visit other family in North Carolina. And we went to this place called Sliding Rock. And here's a picture of it. So kind of might remind you of someplace here in West Virginia, but you can see the, uh, in the background there, you can kind of see the poles, rails that you can walk up that side and you slide down. Uh, I'm probably six to eight years old. I can't remember exactly how old I am. Mom or dad, you can tell me later. But uh, so I know I'm young and I know as a boy kind of growing up on the outside of Detroit, kind of suburbanite, not really a city dude, but suburban, um, this water is like barely, I mean, it's barely above freezing, but it is cold. I mean, it's the middle of summer, it doesn't matter. This is like mountain spring water. So everybody's having a great time. My family's there with us and cousins and aunts and uncles. And so they all slide in and everything's just great. And I'm kind of with the last one because I'm scared because the water is so cold. So I finally kind of sit down on the rock, waiting until the backside of me gets numb and then I'm gonna go in, okay? Because I know it's just, it's just really cold. So I slide down and the moment I get submerged in that water, it was so cold, it sent a shock to me, my whole body. Like it was so cold, just kind of hit me out of nowhere and <gasps> took your breath. Have you ever experienced anything like that where something like that takes your breath, just like, <sighs> right? So I kind of bop up and I want to flash and flail whatever my arms to kind of get attention because I cannot swim. I can't do that because I'm in shock. This is all I got. Arms are here. This is all I can do. Okay, this is it. I know this looks really weird now, but there, this is what I'm doing. And so I'm cold, I'm shivering. My brother is almost halfway out as I'm right there at the bottom, kind of at the pool there. And his name's Jimmy. And I, I, I can't, can't move. Like I'm not moving forward. I'm trying to move forward, but I'm just kind of bobbing like a bobber. Whoop, here we, whoop. So the water's getting up here and I'm in a full panic mode now because I can't move. Even so much where it really hit in this panic is I'm trying to yell for my brother but because I'm shivering and I'm so cold. I'm like, my, all, all I could get out was, Jimmy, Jimmy, and he can't hear me because it's, it's loud. It's kind of the, the waves, the, the water's coming, rushing, all that kind of stuff. And I can't get out. So finally, he turns around and sees that I am struggling. My eyes are big and I really thought I'm going under. Somebody hopefully soon will realize like, hey, where's Matt? Looking back and they don't see me and like kind of dive in and get me. But he finally sees me pulls me out of the water to safety to where I could touch 
here's the point I'm telling you the stories. I needed a savior that day. I was on my own, I couldn't do it. We all need a savior. On our own, we cannot do it. We can't make it. We need Jesus. Every single person here, we need Jesus. And he made his home among us so our eternal home can be with him. He came with full of grace and full of truth so we can make a way back to him and to spend forever with him, living the good life forever and ever and ever with him in eternity. Jesus made his home among us so our eternal home can be with him. I know a lot of you here, but I don't know everybody. I don't know your spiritual background, but we'd like to give you an opportunity today. If you've never placed your faith in Jesus, I want to give you that opportunity today. So would you all bow with me? If that is you, if you are someone here who has never trusted Christ, this opportunity is open for you to do that right there where you sit. And if you're online, this opportunity is open for you as well. The Bible tells us that for everyone or anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So I want to lead you in a prayer, and you can say it right there in your seat, right there in your home, wherever you are online. You can say it silently where you're sitting, wherever you're at, or you can say it out loud. But Again, calling on the name of the Lord, all we say is, Jesus, you repeat after me, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Take my life, it's yours. Thank you for dying for me and rising from the dead. Jesus, I give you my life, it's yours. With heads still bowed, eyes closed, if that is you, after we're done here today, Pastor John will be down front. And if you've decided to follow Jesus and you're watching online or later TV, could you let us know? You'll see a link there where you can click like, I commit my life to Jesus. Or you can go to our app or website and click on the Next Steps link. And there you can tell us that you've decided to follow Jesus. We want to know. We're excited if you've given your life to Jesus. We have some resources to give you to help you grow in your faith. God, we thank you for today. We thank you that you are God. Jesus, you came to earth so our eternal home can be with you. Lord, what a blessing that is. What, how beautiful it is. We thank you again for all that you do for us. In your name we pray. Amen. For more information, visit us at BibleCenterChurch.com and give us a follow on all platforms at Bible Center. 